This is We Can't Call It the Enterprise, a podcast that is not about Star Trek. It is, in fact, for the most part, about Stargate. I'm Valerie. I co-host the show with my friend Scott. We started this show um, in early 2019 when I was moving away, and we wanted a way to kind of stay in touch and a project and excuse to do that. We're both really big fans of the podcast The Greatest Generation, and that was often a thing that we'd listen to together when we would hang out and cook food and whatnot. So kind of in the spirit of that, we have decided to build our own show heavily inspired, for sure, by The Greatest Generation and kind of build our own porch to play on. So the 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 nominal joke is that we um, would have made a Star Trek podcast, but the market's so saturated and we didn't want to, you know, outright copy Greatest Gen. But we definitely are very big Star Trek fans, perhaps at least as much so as Stargate fans. And there will be many, many bits of Star Trek showing up in this show. So in 2021, we are relaunching the show, I guess you could say. We've been recording it um, semi-regularly since the beginning of 2019, but editing is a very slow process that I often haven't had the time for. So I would suggest that if you're very fussed about production quality, maybe start with episode seven or later, because that's when um, I've started putting a lot more time into production and we've started to figure our audio issues out more. I will definitely say that um, neither of us works with um, audio professionally, so there's a very long learning curve for every single dimension of audio, but I mean, ultimately, this this is our little, this is our porch to have fun on. And if you want to have fun with us, we would love to have you on the porch. My computer still isn't properly set up, my desktop, but I have a very good idea for some cover art to make. going to do like the Elkar style um, graphic of the Stargate. <laughs> that sounds good. <laughs> so we watched right. uh, episode six. I always forget the exact numbering. Uh, Cold Lazarus. So A, this wasn't the episode that I thought it was going to be. And B, I liked it a lot more than I remember liking it uh, the first time I watched it. Yeah, I felt the exact same way, actually. I remember feeling pretty medium about it, but after this, I felt good about it, I would say. Yeah, this was also one where I couldn't remember it very well, so I was just kind of head-scratching and always wondering where it was going to go. Well, I remember it being a O'Neill characterization episode, um, and really not, you know, that was like the whole point, and it was very heavy-handed in doing that, but when I watched it again... I saw, I don't know, I just feel like I saw things that I didn't see the first time. Mm -hmm. So we open up our episode on what, I don't know how to describe it, but it looked like a very cheap desert set. It looked like, well, it looked like they were getting it like sulfur. It, it, did you see that? Um, Like how yellow it was? Yeah. Kind of. There was a whole lot of subtle things that fell off. Like the lighting fell off. The sand looked off like... They must have just like perfectly framed up something in like a what 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 are those what are those um, depots called where you can like buy dirt and gravel and so on? Like the Home Depot. <laughs> <laughs> 
close, close enough. Like it's like they <laughs> they took one of those kind of pits and just framed everything perfectly, so you can't quite see the like bark mulch that's ten feet over to the side. <laughs> yeah. That's... So they're walk they're walking around Tilk standing guard, and they're looking at all these very weird looking iridescent blue crystals that are shattered, and they are kind of wondering what that is. They wander around and. Jack gets separated, and in Stargate, it's always, you know, great when someone gets separated, because that advances the plot, even if they have something bad happen to them. So in this case, Jack is just checking out. Um, They've commented that basically all the crystals are shattered, there's nothing intact. Um, Daniel thinks it might be a religious thing, because that's the answer to everything, apparently. But um, Jack finds this intact crystal and puts his face right up against it, and he gets blown back with like an EMP style graphic and then another O'Neill that I need a good name for is uh standing over looking at Jack O'Reel oh that's that's good yes that's good I I was proud of that when I thought of that one so Jack Jack O'Reel is unconscious and we have the doppelganger join them and head back to base and the doppelganger clearly is not doing a perfect job of mimicking Jack. It's doing an okay job, but it's not really interacting with people, and it looks kind of wigged out when it gets back to the Stargate room. Yeah. And that's our opening. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, one thing that I kind of noticed, though, uh, and I kind of noticed this about all, like, sci-fi or fantasy TV, is that anytime there's any sort of, like, duplication or, like, shape-shifting thing, they always manage to duplicate the clothes. Uh, <laughs> but in this case, the gun was not duplicated. He had to pick up the gun. And it just made me think, like, the crystal's sitting there like, uh, yeah, you know what, I'm definitely, like, I don't want to be naked. Like, I understand enough to not want to be naked. Um, but, you know, he doesn't, It it didn't, like like imitate the gun and i don't know i just always uh it's just something that i thought of you know what if o'neill came back to the group all wigged out and also naked (laughs) (laughs) he's just like hey guys uh ready to go (laughs) like i mean mean, that that fake jack would have not been like hey i'm ready to go he just would have like not responding to anyone asking <laughs> yeah, him what yeah. was up. Yeah, he just Which I feel stood... almost what real Jack would do. Yeah, he just would have stood on top of one of those one of those uh one of those sulfur piles and like Teal'c would have, and Teal'c and Carter and Daniel you know, T- like Daniel saying, No no no, this is a religious thing and Carter's like, No no no, this is a science thing. They're all, and then they all just look at him and he's standing on top of this mountain that smells like fart gas naked. <laughs> anyway, that would have been the end of the episode right there, but it wasn't because he was his clothes were duplicated, and uh, we have like the world's shortest debriefing where they're like, "Yeah, General, well, we found a bunch of weird crystals, um, and uh, we're gonna go science them. Uh, so yeah, we'll see you tomorrow." That was a pretty weird scene. Like there was. It went quite fast, and there was an underlying tension because um, the general said that they were like grounded and they were not going out. Like it's, it sounded a little bit like there was something wrong, 
but it wasn't explicit on that and it seemed to come out of nowhere. Yeah, I don't know. It it felt a bit weird to me too. Yeah, and you know what? It's funny because I, I thought it felt a bit short. Like in, as far as debriefings go, like it definitely, I don't know. Well, it almost like they made it look so cut and dry that there's no way that it's that cut and dry. Because And like we also know as the viewer what's going on, but... Yeah, I don't know. I agree with you. Scene had a weird vibe. Then we end up in the locker room where Jack <laughs> has a cigar box with pictures of his kid. And this is where we start to get the heavy characterization of Jack. And I actually thought this was pretty good writing. Because he... Uh, like we're, we're like, uh, the viewer takes on the role. Like we're almost like looking at things in the point of view of dupe Jack or dupe O'Neill. Um, and we're kind of learning cause Jack is so like, uh, not, you know, he's, he's like very private and he can't, it's, it's he's hard to get to know. Yeah. He's going through his cigarette tin of memories. Yeah, the writers, like, figured it... I think they were like, well, it would be easier for us to, you know, invent a second Jack minus the privacy bit and, like, put the viewer in, there in like, that character's shoes and, like, go through it. Um, so I just thought it was... I thought it was pretty smart. We learned a lot about Jack, even in that, like, two minutes. Yeah, that was that was a pretty effective scene. Sam walks in partway through. Uh, listen, no offense, Colonel, but this becomes the women's locker room in... Well, now. Yeah. Just, and then she's it was a really like, great line. It's such a fun little detail about how... Like, turning turning to camera about the fact that she's basically the only woman in the military portion. I know. I know. And then I, I can just imagine uh, General Hammond sitting in, a, sitting in a meeting with some lawyer... And the lawyer's like, General, you should really have a women's locker room. We're going to get sued. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just like, he, and then he like looks at like the giant, like two lists, like a giant stack of like military personnel the uh, of men. And then like one piece of paper for the women. And he's like, look, this is the one place where I can cut costs tech company bathrooms yeah <laughs> we we sit like in sections that are fairly intermingled of like tech and non-tech like you don't just get a floor that's all tech and i am super suspicious that the bathrooms are why really it's it's entirely my bullshit theory if you go to any tech org it's like five percent women yeah and it's often like more heavily slanted in a lot of the like accounting and marketing type departments. Yeah, so they try and mix. Company. Yeah, so they try and mix. They try and balance <laughs> the genders in the different departments. Oh my goodness! That's my bullshit theory because I don't have like the empty bathroom that I used to have at Checkfront. Yeah, that sounds like it would have been nice. I'll tell you the men's bathroom. <laughs> the men's bathroom oh, at te- I, tech companies I... are. <laughs> I heard some stories about the ones. Oh, here's a great one. Here's a great here's a great bathroom story. Did I tell you the story about how I accidentally turned the lights off on someone one time? <laughs> Not specifically, <laughs> but I know that was a running thing. 
Oh, jeez. All right, so... Actually, no, that was being, uh, an, like, a asshole. He was, like, talked to by... So he would do that, and then whenever anyone else would accidentally do it, it was substantially escalated because of that. I know that much. I This was actually... When I accidentally did it, it was before he started doing that. This is... Yeah. <laughs> but he's, he's like... A... And he's doing, like second grade bullying moves like that's unreal to me um, oh it's it's very real to me <laughs> i know yeah you I'll, 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 I'll bleep out sentence fragments as appropriate but i want to keep most of this <laughs> yeah yeah exactly anyway uh okay anyway so before this is all before that and totally unrelated um so at, at our old building um the one with the red walls made from the yeah <laughs> pillaged target that closed down <laughs> nearby uh, okay okay so we've referenced that before i forget is that just what you call it or were they actually taken no. from like the target building no in in canada all the targets closed and uh we actually like the walls of that building were made from like the walls of the target that closed down because they holy were holy shit to... i didn't realize those were the actual walls no seriously that's where they came from that's why they were so red like aggressively red I thought maybe we were just joking about that. That was not a joke. That was not a joke. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway. Um, so I, like, went to the... You know, this is back when, I don't know, there were, like, you know, 12 people in the office at any given time. Mm -hmm. and, I, and we shared offices with a couple of other, you know, similarly 12 people-ish companies. I went into... Like, I just went in to use, like, you know, you know the urinal. There was some, somebody in the stall. have no idea who they were. And I'm, I'm, like, half asleep. You know, it's, like, the end of the day. I'm tired. All right, you're setting up the justification. And I, uh, and I walk out of the, of the bathroom. Um, and I turn the lights off. And I leave the door open. And some guy is, like, oh, I hear from the stall. Oh, there's someone in here. <laughs> and like my brain <laughs> didn't turn on like i like i heard a noise in my brain <laughs> and my brain my brain reacted to the noise and uh what what happened was the way that my brain reacted to this noise is that i turned around and i closed the door <laughs> so so now it's completely dark and I just hear, and I just hear from the other side, from the other side of the door, a muffled, a muffled, great. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the thing is, I actually got all the way back to my desk before I realized what I'd done. Like, I don't know, I, I don't know why I was so, like, not with it, but anyway... I got all the way back to my desk before I was like, oh, shit. But then I didn't do anything. I was way too embarrassed. I was like, oh, no, he's just going to have to, he's just going to have to struggle through that one. And did you avoid peeing up until you moved offices just, just in case after that? Well, I don't think he knew who it was. I certainly don't know who he was. He could have been an important person. For all I know. <laughs> but I think it's more likely that he was some guy from a different office. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. 
Is it just me or are a lot of like your your tales of poor judgment bathroom related? Well, I think at least two of them. <laughs> I don't know. There's yeah, a fair amount are yeah. Well, and and it's funny cuz I remember I I think I was telling Dimitri or something later that day before I left and I referenced it as uh I was like I I made a mistake in the bathroom. And <laughs> he just looked at me like like disgusted but curious. <laughs> <laughs> anyway i'm clipping so bad because i don't have time to like throw my head out of the way before i start laughing <laughs> yeah uh oh man anyway yeah so i don't remember yeah i think we were just talking about yeah bathroom like yeah men's bathrooms in tech companies always heavily used i mean yeah women's bathrooms in military bases never used don't even exist you know you know what i'm gonna call it when people drink those fucking meal replacements yeah that does certain things especially if you already have a uh, poorly balanced diet let's just say oh no i think we can all know one individual that i personally am naming and shaming because i am very well aware of their oh, poor no. diet but oh no so they wreck the bathroom every time they use it it's just yeah floor two do not use Wow. Okay. All right. I'll keep that in mind. That's legendary. <laughs> wow. Not quite in a finger pointing way, but it was an openly discussed problem. That no someone way. would get back from the men's bathroom and they would just like announce to the floor about how bad it was. <laughs> oh my God. That is legendary. <laughs> oh man. Ah. Oh, brutal. That is brutal. Oh, that's next level. All right. Anyway. So what happens when you don't get your fiber? Yeah, seriously. Seriously. Oh, anyway. All right. So I think we were at Sam telling Jack to get out of the locker room. That's how we got down this rabbit hole. You don't have to hurry on my account. Yeah, she's trying to kind of ask him to leave without simply telling him, hey, get out of here. Yeah. Which seemed like surprisingly indirect for Sam, but she kind of winds up in like a one-sided conversation with him yeah. where she's filling in all the blanks about like trying to guess his backstory and talking about um, being an aunt and kind of making up, don't remember what presumption she made, but she made a couple assumptions around like Jack's family situation and he just kind of like leaves in a daze. Yeah. And she's like, well, that was normal. <laughs> <laughs> And then Daniel comes in and she's like, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been so funny if she like, she completely dropped the whole, Hey, I'm like super uncomfortable and trying to change thing. But it would have been really funny if that was her reaction upon Daniel walking in. Yeah. So Daniel, I'm about to get naked leave. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Uh, yeah, Jack leaves and ignores Carter, and then we smash cut to Carter and Daniel looking at the crystal. They're doing heavy science. Teal watches TV. Oh yeah, so um, regarding, I really want to get to that scene, but um, regarding uh, the locker room scene, they specifically end on Sam commenting that she's seen, she's seen something broken like that before. Uh, 
Sorry, could you repeat that? Uh, Sam comments about the crystals that she's specifically seen something that looks broken in the same way that those crystals do. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, she's like, yeah, I've seen this cut before in this base, in fact. Yeah, it was kind of a weird line. It got me really head-scratching because I wasn't sure what she meant. Yeah, I guess I wasn't sure either. Um, but I do remember that Teal was going to shoot the crystal. Yeah, so that we get the scene of Teal walking into, I think it was O'Neill's room. Uh, yeah, I actually have no idea. Maybe it was his own room, like the Teal uh, crash crib sort of area. But either <laughs> way, he starts watching TV and there's scenes of war and there's scenes of... <laughs> of uh, There's like a heavy metal song and it's yeah, like it's... classic 90s stuff. I specifically wrote down in my notes, Teal discovers heavy metal. <laughs> Yeah, so here's, that was my big here's, takeaway. here's what I instantly thought of when I saw that. What if, instead of television, Teal'c was on YouTube? And then, <laughs> and then we got a scene, we got a scene of, of uh, Teal'c watching, I don't even know what he would be watching, but he's like reading YouTube comments, and it just shows like, you know, Teal'c reading a couple of YouTube comments, and then we smash cut to like, Teal wearing his like robes from Chulak and he's in front of the gate and uh <laughs> General Hammond's on the microphone. Teal, where are you going? And he's like, I must depart this world, General Hammond. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was thinking that if Teal encountered YouTube, he would like quickly wind up in a rabbit hole of spiritual gurus and be like, General, I have I found Guauld on this world. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, some weird cult. Yeah. That's amazing. Really any any like big corporation. He like uh finds the um I don't know, one of those media guys. They they basically have like culty religions around them. <laughs> anyway, so Teal'c uh watches the TV. Uh and then Daniel and uh Carter run in and they're like, Teal'c, grab your gun. We're going to shoot a thing in the gate room. And Teal'c's like, oh, finally, that sounds like fun. But then I think we switch to Dupe Jack. Yeah, looking at the way my notes are laid out, there's a lot of very kind of fast transitions of, like, small conversation with Dupe Jack, seen at the base. Dupe Jack has another conversation, seen at the base. Yeah, well, I think, yeah, we're trying to get, like, the two stories. We're trying to get the Jack characterization along with, like, whatever the... Like the I don't even, I don't know which one the main story is. I would say probably the characterization of Jack is the main story. Mm -hmm. But it's almost it's used as comic relief though. Uh, the Teal shooting the crystal later, but we end up with Jack returning in a really super creepy way uh, to his wife, saying like "Where's Charlie? Where's Charlie?" Like being a like just a weirdo. Yeah, I didn't really remember this episode well, so that scene had me quite worried at first. Yeah, that's actually the only scene I did remember. It was it was like horror movie framing. Yeah. Yeah, he I guess I guess you're right. Or like yeah, well I don't know. The only other one would be like a weird alien possession movie, which this is. Yeah, Starry has a number of doppelganger or alien possession episodes. Yeah. Yeah, there's one in particular that I'm looking forward to. But uh this one, yeah, so we kinda get uh there's an interesting quote, and I think it's around here. Actually, no, no, it's later on. But in either way, um, we get 
Jack, like, kind of re- remembering, like, Dupe Jack remembering things about Charlie. And here is actually, there's something super brilliant that I noticed in this scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the posters in Charlie's room is about the different types of crystals. Did you notice that? I vaguely did. I definitely saw something to do with crystals out of the corner of my eye. I was trying to see more of it. Yeah, it was like a pissed, It was like a just like a poster that was like, "This is amethyst. This is ruby." Like you know, like stuff like that. And it was. Um, I feel like in every Stargate episode, there's some there's some brilliant thing going on in the background in some scenes that it that like I that really impresses me, and this impressed me here. Yeah, you're a deep background guy for Stargate. I guess so. Um, it's like the timestamp Shimoda's. Yeah, I I don't know how I noticed. Um, I don't know how I noticed. Uh, like it's like with this watch, I'm like noticing all the little background things. But um, anyway, yeah, there's a there was a crystals poster which I thought was good, and then we get the flashbacks set to the sad piano music, and then we see Jack break down. And here's another piece of writing that I think was really good because this isn't really jack uh this is not a real this is dupe jack and the only way we get i i i think that the only way we really get a moment like this from jack is if it's not really jack and it's kind of the way it's like in star trek episodes like i don't know if you remember the episode from voyager where tuvok loses his logic i think i have a very fuzzy recollection of that and it's kind of like, because like the whole thing with Vulcans is like, you can't, you know, they feel things more intensely than humans. They just suppress it because otherwise they're too much. And it's like, it's kind of the same thing here where it's like Jack is, uh, he's got like this, this big wall up. And the only way the writers can take it away is to have it be not Jack, but have it have all of Jack's memories. So it's like, it's like for this story only, one episode only, they took away one element of Jack so that we could get to know him better and then they put it and then they put it right back. I definitely noticed that pattern and I found it to be very effective. Like there was a number of there was a number of times where they um were pretty explicit about that being the writing technique, like with conversations with um his ex wife Sarah, where she basically comments like that he's being way more straightforward. So yeah. kind of like super flagging, this is what Jack thinks, but this is what Jack will never say. Yeah, and I think that the phrase she uses is like, uh, where was this? All I ever got was military bravado or something like that. And that's what the writers did. They, they put all the experiences in Jack, subtracted the military bravado, and this is the character, which is a lot easier to connect with. Mm-hmm. On like a deep emotional level. Um as opposed to, like, as the comic relief. So, I don't know. And I agree with you. I think it was very effective. I really appreciated this. Yeah, they brought those scenes very well. So we have a jump back to um, the folks in the <laughs> gate room. And this was this is quite a nice scene for a couple of reasons. Immediately as the scene opened, I was kind of gripped by the silliness of Daniel's gloves. It makes sense that he has them, but it just really stuck out as like the singular detail that was a nod to the fact that they're doing an experiment with like strange and hazardous materials yeah 
Like the gloves, the gloves quite stood out because they're the only protective gear that the trio had. Yeah, yeah, that's that is uh, true. I guess they didn't even have goggles, did they? Or did they? No, ex- I don't think they did. Oh my god! So they they shoot. Tilk shoots the crystal for them, and immediately an alarm goes off, and so that's that's great because clearly. Um, Stargate Command wasn't informed that they were going to just discharge a weapon in the gate room. As you know, Commander Chekhov, no one can fire an unauthorized phaser aboard a starship. Which is like, think about it. Weapons going off in the gate room unexpectedly. That's their nightmare scenario. A whole lot of shit has gone wrong to get to that point. Imagine the amount of paperwork (laughs) (laughs) that would have to be done now. I mean, like, the general must have had a panic button that he pressed the second that happened, that he'd have to walk back. Did someone fire off a phaser? Yep. Oh, man. Just imagine General Hammond using the bathroom. (laughs) 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 That's where he was when this happened. But the thing is, you would think that Walter would have noticed. Like, he would have been, like, looking out... And he sees Teal'c in there with his staff weapon and this weird crystal, and he, like, would it, would it, like, use the microphone, like, Hey, guys, did you guys fill out the form? Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, I, have a, I have a spare copy if you just gonna, if you want to, like, run up here real quick. Is this, like, the, the, thing is they, is this they the totally... incident form, or is this the firearms form? Yeah, exactly. But the thing is, you know who had to fill out the incident form is Teal'c, because Carter and Daniel were like, Thanks, Teal'c, and then they run off. And Teal'c is left holding his staff weapon in the gate room, so he had to fill out all the paperwork. Definitely. He definitely did. <laughs> so thinking <laughs> of the fact that General like may as well have been on the toilet while this happened, yeah. what if the General has like a life alert bracelet that's just the, like, phone the red phone, put the base on alert, start the self-destruct countdown? Well, they probably, I don't know, when were life alert bracelets invented? I think quite a while ago. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like, uh, I don't know. I feel like that would be, I mean, it, it's like, it's a pretty heavy coincidence that he's always there when something really serious is going on, or at least he's like up in the briefing room, isn't it? I mean, clearly he's got a toilet that's like eight feet away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, he just wears diapers. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah. He just wears diapers and has, like, one of those, like, uh, travel pillows that inflates when you faint. <laughs> <laughs> like, an, like a little airbag, so when he, so he doesn't sleep, he just, uh, whenever he gets so tired he passes out, he, there's just, like, a little airbag for him. <laughs> He's just always at the Stargate. Anyway, uh, so then, uh, while Teal'c fills out the paperwork, the incident form, uh, Sam... And Daniel science the crystal, and Sam luckily gets a match. Did you understand what the match was from? Um, I understood what they meant, but they just hand waved so much bullshit around that I couldn't follow the techno babble. The point yeah. that they were trying to make is that something to do with like the structural fracture pattern was the same in the crystals compared to the damage done by the staff weapons. So they were trying to analyze it at like a microscopic structural level versus just eyeballing it. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, they used an MRI machine to come to this conclusion or what appears to be a very small MRI for like a hamster or something. 
anyway, uh, so they basically discover that, you know, they think the Gould shot all of these crystals, and then Daniel leans into super close to the crystal, and then the crystal turns into Daniel's face. Yeah, I didn't notice the face um, initially in that scene, but the crystal kind of, like, lights up and moves and has some changes happen to it. And so Daniel reels back and appropriately freaks out. Whoa! Yeah. Captain Dr. Tilk! Yeah. 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 It was me. And then somewhat inappropriately, he convinces Sam to try doing the exact same thing. Yeah. Yeah, you would think uh, he would say maybe we should put this thing in like a metal box instead of why don't you put your face one inch away from it. (laughs) 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 Yeah, not good good safety. Yeah, or at least go put on some goggles. Daniel's had a couple OSHA violations this episode. Yeah, well, Daniel always has OSHA violations. Probably in every episode, he's had OSHA violations. The crystal, so Sam goes ahead and puts her face right up to the crystal. And that's the thing, because, like, Sam puts her face up to the crystal, and Daniel's like, no, 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 closer. It's not close. And it's like, dude, come on. Um, (laughs) But she, uh, so she puts her face right up to the crystal, and... uh, The crystal turns into Sam, and it asks for help. Yeah, somewhat ominously. Yeah, I don't exactly remember what it was asking for help with, but... um, It didn't didn't say, which was part of why it was quite ominous. Ah, okay. We, now, a reel is coming back. That's what we cut to now. Yeah, so there's a, there's a panic dial-in, and they make, like, very clear several times in the dialogue that... Nobody's nobody's outbound. They're not expecting anybody. Somebody dialed in the uh, iris, which raises an interesting question to me, which is that they're basically positive that some shit's going real bad right now, right? Yeah. Even though someone hit the iris code. So at what point do they make the cutoff of we're going to override and close the iris anyway? Because that's got to be an option. I have the same note, and it looked to me like in this episode they were saying that there's no button for the iris that is fully remote control i i wondered about that i jumped back in the dialogue they didn't say that um the impression i got is they were giving it the benefit of the doubt because of that they're explaining why the iris is is up is like well if it's the button we've got to try to trust it but yeah i don't know i have i have the same I, I don't know. I have the same note, and I feel like it's just one of those... It's a bit of a hole in writing, but I can just imagine, like, the general writing a sticky note to himself, like, remember to update the iris policy for, <laughs> <laughs> like, dupe, duplicate team members. And he just, like, looks at it, and, and it's next to, like, 15 other sticky notes. Like, there's one for the giant alien bugs, there's one for... <laughs> There's one for viruses that turn you into cavemen. Like, there's... And then he's just, like... And then he just, like, uh, pours himself a tall glass of whiskey and just chugs the whole thing in one go. I mean, there's a a saying that, like, in software engineering, we often point to with the airline industry about how um, every single regulation and policy is written in, in blood. And, I like, I can't help but wonder what all of the regulations in um the sgc are written in 
Because there's there's got to be, as you say, like the pile of sticky notes of every time some stupid thing goes wrong. It's like, okay, got to account for this thing. Yeah. <laughs> that does huh. raise the question, though, of why they're not uh, counting the iris comms devices when people come in. Because what obviously happened, especially given that the uh, machine gun wasn't duplicated, is that just everybody had a device on them and no one noticed that Jack didn't have one when he came back. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. You would also think that they could, like, do a quick radio message, like, uh, hello, who is this over, <laughs> before you come through. Yeah, seriously, they make quite a point later in the series of having, like, using using the Stargate as an Ethernet cable to conduct conversations. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, Bit of a bit of a logical hole there. Uh, we all that. know that's my favorite thing to pick on. Yes, but uh, Jack, a real, gets arrested when he comes through. Yeah, they think that he must be the imposter. Yep, um, and I mean, I would too, probably. But uh, we cut to uh, Dupe Jack having an emotional conversational uh, conversation with his wife. Uh, yeah, without the military bravado. So he's really having a heart-to-heart -heart with his wife. And again, it's kind of a... It, it's like a way of us getting to know like what's deep inside Jack without, without dropping the character element of Jack that is his uh, walled, you know, impenetrable self, which is, again, I like it a lot. I have to say, I found these conversations to be extremely powerful that Jack had. Yeah. I thought so too. Um, I don't remember liking them this much. I don't know why. I feel like I was a lot less emotionally mature when I first watched Stargate because I was around. Um, it varied, but I'd say when when I watched like this episode, I would have been maybe sixteen. Yeah. A lot of Stargate I didn't watch until more recently, but. Yeah, I think I was. Uh, I think I was even younger than that, to be honest. Uh, the first time, but I did watch it again a lot more recently. Probably 22-ish, 23, maybe. Mm. But anyway, even then, I didn't, uh, I don't know. I didn't appreciate it like I did earlier today, I, that's for sure. Um, and there was actually, actually this line, this is actually huge. Uh, so, the line... So okay, so we switch back to real Jack, Jack a real, talking mm -hmm. about um, he's basically trying to convince these guys that he's real. Tell you what, let me put it nicely. Get me the hell out of here. And then he kind of has to go into his family a little bit too, I think. Um, really powerful line where he could forget but not forgive, and she said that she could forgive but not forget and actually that is like something that i've definitely thought of like th those words i think i picked up from stargate actually maybe they were from somewhere else but i've definitely thought those words a few times over the course of my life yeah that's a very powerful way of looking at a tragedy yeah so i don't i don't know do you recognize this from any like a like a work of literature or something 
or something somewhere else because that I definitely re uh, that resonated heavily with me. I feel like I picked it up from Stargate. I've got a feeling it is Stargate because I mean, there's a number of times where they come back to discussing the subject about Jack's past, and like especially, I feel like they kind of do revisit the subject explicitly of like why stuff didn't get repaired with Jack and his ex-wife because I mean clearly like this episode ends on kind of an up note for their connection yeah I don't know I thought it was I thought that was a super great way of putting it very uh powerful dialogue I'm trying to think of when that came up for me in my life where I started thinking about things like this I would definitely not say that forgiving is, or forgetting is, particularly a strong suit for me. Even though it's supposedly a virtue that's kind of a given. I'm trying to Google the phrase, and I'm just getting, like, pop psych magazines. So this might be hard to verify. Yeah, I don't know. It's probably just Stargate. Well, what do you think? Like, uh, how, are, how do you, like, forgive people? Because I basically can't do it. I... I feel like I can only half forgive people. So I feel like kind of the necessary element for me is either see that they've genuinely changed, which honestly doesn't usually happen, um, or get to a point where feeling like this person is just like so, so challenged or so childish or like is in such a foxhole that they just aren't really capable of doing better. Or it's just kind of like, okay, like this really sucked, but like you're also not a healthy enough person to like have a healthy or functional life. And so I guess that's just like what happened. Hmm. It's kind of like, um, I mean, it's, I guess it is like a super condescending way to think about things, but it's kind of like not being mad that like a hurt animal lashed out at you. Yeah. It's like, well, you shouldn't have done that, but like, it's what's going to happen. And it's also a tiny bit my fault for like, not keeping my distance after that. All right. Interesting way of, uh, interesting way of looking at it. I don't know. Something I struggle with. I guess I'll try and think of it in those ways in the future. But I mean, what if you have to interact with somebody? Well, I don't know. It definitely looks like in this case, Jack, uh, just had to leave and get out of that situation yeah i mean in in jack's case like it very clearly paints it as he was the one in the wrong because they were both struggling and he didn't know emotionally how to handle it so he just didn't yeah i don't know i thought that was huge that line i think that line has a lot of wisdom in it Mm-hmm. um but then dupe jack passes out um, yeah, he passes out and he starts kind of sparking. Yeah, he starts uh, sparking and then she takes him to the hospital. And then we smash cut again back to uh, the Sam, Sam, like Crystal Sam, explaining the history of her people. Where she's like, well, I was uh, just kind of sitting there and then the ghoul showed up and shot us all. Yeah, so she does a... Uh... Listen, it's not quite. She does an exposition of how, um, for some reason, they had like the same situation of uh, gold approaching a crystal and it got killed. I'm presuming accidentally. 
is the subtext. But as a result, the Gurgled uh, retaliated by gathering up all the crystals and destroying them. So their stated fear upon the situation with Jack is that the same thing is going to happen again. Yeah. Yeah, which, I mean, is understandable. But then they discover that uh, Duponeal is radioactive because the crystal dies and it's radioactive. Yeah, so it's an extra level of threat. Even if the crystal doesn't have bad intent, it's still a source of danger. Yeah. Uh, so they have to... And it kind of uh, it kind of surprises me because this is when they're like, uh, Hey, we should find Duke Jack. <laughs> <laughs> and, and they got all the way to here. <laughs> yeah, it was surprisingly not urgent given that like there's been an alien incursion. Yeah, exactly. There has been an alien incursion. Then Daniel's like, oh, yeah. And then, yeah, like Daniel and Carter, at least Carter, was like, oh, yeah, uh, he was going through pictures of your family. Oh, real? Maybe we should start there. And, of course, he freaks out and calls uh, immediately. But um, Yeah, that's a yeah, pretty it, creepy thing to find out. Yeah, it just feels like you want to, like, that should have maybe been brought up earlier i definitely feel like i would have remembered to bring that up i'm not sure about you but i would probably have remembered yeah i feel like i would yeah anyway we're so then we see teal'c is ready to go out into the world and obviously after having read youtube comments he's like no i'm bringing my gun i am bringing my gun <laughs> i really like that scene both um teal'c making the comment i have seen your world i will need it yeah and the fact that the general personally was the one who grabbed staff away from Teal'c. Teal'c, you'll have to leave that here. Yeah, and then he gives him a hat. He's like, no, you're gonna need this, actually. <laughs> uh, it's too good. Yeah, Teal'c gets the Vulcan treatment when he's going around on Earth. Yeah, it's good. He's gonna need, like, one of the, yeah, a toque. That's what he's gonna need. Um, you know, when I go home... Uh, I get made fun of in in uh, Arizona. You probably might. You probably get it in California, but too uh, the word toque though. Uh, I haven't yet. Let's let's see what happens around November. But yeah, so they they'll probably call it a beanie or something. But if you say the word toque, they're gonna Christ. be like, "Oh, you're you're such an adorable Canadian." <laughs> beanie? What are you six? I look. I don't know. I th I think that's what they're called. I actually don't know. The thing is, in Arizona, we don't use a lot of uh, toques anyway because it's so hot. But yeah, I was always made fun of for saying the word toque. It's like not a thing that most people say. Interesting. Yeah. Again, could be different. Arizona isn't a toque kind of place. <laughs> anyway, uh, so Alternate Jack is electrocuting the entire hospital. Uh, and then Military Bravado a real storms into the rescue. Yeah, there's kind of a cool scene where um, he goes right past Sarah and there's kind of very, very little communication said as she's kind of filling in the gaps. That was one of the moments where I definitely admired the writing in Stargate because I feel like if this was Star Trek, the writers would have to tell us that she understands that the other O'Neill was not necessarily O'Neill and that there's something weird going on. Yeah. Whereas, because the audience has some thinking capacity, we can fill that in. Yeah. 
Yeah, I agree. Uh, wasn't too heavy-handed. I mean, they're also probably running out of time. Yeah, I've commented this before. Stargate episodes seem like they're very packed with plot, and a lot of the times the scenes do seem rushed as a result. Yeah. Um, so then we get Alt-Jack. So there's like some, you know, there's electrocutions and there's Geiger counters going off. But then we get a kind of a heart-to-heart between Dupe-Jack and a real. And Dupe-Jack is explaining that you know, he noticed that he hurt uh, a real, and he was trying to heal. He was trying to heal the guy, uh, and he noticed that the biggest damage was actually Charlie. I never left this ship. You exist here. Yeah, there was a comment um, that he made earlier prior to being sent to the hospital about how he thought that he could take Charlie to the Stargate to fix things. And that was kind of a mysterious statement at the time without any context. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. I kind of thought that was nice. Um, not as mind-blowing as some of the earlier dialogue, but, you know, I think it really drives the point home. Mm-hmm. And then we got Jack transforming into Charlie. Yeah, I feel like that's where they started to lose me. I agree. So he transforms into charlie and kind of talks with jack a little bit about that loss i feel like they don't actually manage to like they had such good economy of words prior to this point where they managed to get across so much in so little conversation i feel like that really kind of flips around where the meaningfulness is just meant to be that charlie's there but it just really didn't work for me yeah this didn't work for me either i don't really know how else to explain it other than it didn't work for me i wrote down in my margins not totally following question mark yeah yeah i i really i really just have nothing um the episode could have just ended four minutes earlier I mean that would be a very Stargate episode ending of just like okay we're we're about to we're about to fix things it's all good like cut to black we don't know how it's resolved we don't see it resolved. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, well, yeah, he could have just they could have just skipped the bit with Charlie. They could have just taken uh, Dupe Jack back to the base. But I don't know the weird and the weird thing I don't know like the crying with the uh, uh, O'Real's wife and. Uh, dupe Charlie I don't know it was just too much yeah I I feel like I would have liked to have had that scene but without the context of fake Charlie yeah well what do you mean by that there was something kind of cathartic with that scene especially with kind of the like confusion and the context of when they'd seen one another when Jack O'Reilly had rushed into the hospital like it's kind of a it's kind of a good closure and it's a grounding and it lets you kind of see where the two of them are there are at because clearly they're not in a point of conflict or animosity yeah i can see that that's what they were trying to do but i don't think that they did that i guess what i'm what i'm saying is that i feel like some there was some messaging in that scene that was meaningful to the story and emotional but they also just put some bullshit on top of it yeah i don't know i think they over i think they overdid it i you know they were trying to make it this big emotional thing and like it was just it was just too much 
like uh like give me give me the 10 second version of that scene like uh what well, what do you mean jack walks up with the fake jack yeah he hugs yeah. her it's just like i'm sorry i can't explain i i forget exactly what he said that was meaningful because i was just so stuck by the kid thing but like yeah i'm sorry i made a mistake i've got to go i can't explain it yeah i think that's basically like um, very very fast and simple yeah i agree well actually yeah i don't know i guess i guess i understand why they now that you give me the the quick 10 second version it doesn't feel like enough Mm -hmm. but i don't think that turning dupe jack into charlie was the right i guess the point that i'm making is that i feel like that distracted away from the meaningful dialogue that already existed yes it's like they pulled a cheap trick when they didn't need to yes i agree yeah all right yeah i think you i think you got it yeah maybe it's not making the scene 10 seconds it's just doing the scene without fake charlie Mm-hmm. like i'm sure you could fill it you could fill in the like charlie nothing content with something meaningful still because there's a lot there to dig into yeah the only thing that happens is a super quick like 15 second scene of jack walking him through the gate saying he'll be back in a moment yeah yeah that's right so i've already stated that i like this episode i'm curious as to how you'd rate it like out of five yeah uh i'd give it yeah like you know actually do you want to do like a friendly virus style rating system uh what's that uh it's where they pick an object in the movie and they rate it out of like five of that so it's kind of five stars with a little bit of a fun flavor twist so why don't you go first so i can um i'm gonna say that i rate it four incident forms out of (laughs) five yeah four incident forms out of five i'll give it yeah i'll give it like four crystals you know what i'll i'll give it four incident forms and one blank incident form Huh. deserves a little bit more than four like it was it was quite good but parts of it like i commented about the charlie thing and just some of the background writing fell kind of flat i get that like this kind of this hits the same problem that a lot of star trek episodes have where they have a non-sci-fi story that they want to tell and they need to pad it out with sci-fi as either the excuse to tell the story or just because it's in their contract and i feel like that kind of happened here yeah I would say, I mean, I would also say I'm going to give it like four, four of those crystals on that poster out of, uh, out of five, but like four, <laughs> but like four, not super valuable crystals, right? Like we're talking like amethyst and stuff, um, for kind of the, I don't know, kind of the same reason. Like, honestly, the whole, it almost feels like anytime a Stargate episode is done in like civilian clothing, it almost feels like a period piece episode from Stargate to me. Or sorry, Star Trek to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's... Uh, obviously, obviously not nearly as bad. Obviously. I feel like it's made worse by the fact that the 90s are quite distant to us now. So it is in fact a period piece. Yeah, actually, that's probably why it felt like that to Especially, me. Especially, like, we're, we're young enough that it is a substantial amount of time ago. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, I don't know. Yeah, that, that is what, um, that is one of the things that got me, along with 
you know, the, yeah, the set at the beginning, like the planet they end up on, looked weird, like you pointed out. And also, yeah, I don't know, there's just a lot, there's like a lot of, uh, they didn't have enough time to do the sci-fi of like the crystal, like, how did the crystal turn into a guy? Like, we got none of that. <laughs> they didn't even try. Um, yeah, Stargate waving over a lot of the science kind of bugs me in a way that most shows don't because as like a military R&D oriented mission, it's so much of their focus. Like it's not just, oh, how can you accept this miracle of nature? It's like passing this off and ignoring this is orthogonal to your core mission. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I agree. I think, uh, but I think again, like I, rem I like this episode a lot more than I remember. I think mm -hmm. that they did a great job characterizing jack i think it was brilliant a lot of what they did was brilliant actually um but but yeah i mean really it's just kind of like minor ish notes given like there are a couple of very great conversations in this episode i think with dupe jack yeah like for for totally unbeknownst reasons i was kind of into jack when i was a teenager but i didn't really appreciate or follow like any of his emotional arc in the show which is i would argue maybe the most powerful like definitely even rivaling teal or someone like that yeah yeah but it's more subtle and and i think that they that this episode actually provides a lot of the foundation for jack because it's almost like where you figure out it's almost like he's a bit of a vulcan I was kind of thinking about that too like he keeps it he keeps it all bottled up in a way that we we basically need them to like dump the context periodically about who Jack is and what he's been through and how he works to understand him. Yeah. And I feel like the writers do kind of periodically do that at least once a season of kind of dipping into his backstory as a reminder of like, this is, this is the codex that you need to understand this character. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't know. I really, I like the episode, um, but it was, you know, it was not sci-fi enough for Stargate. Yeah, I it wasn't very it wasn't very sci-fi, and I don't know. I think they could have gotten away with a not very sci-fi episode, but the sci-fi stuff felt like it was patching a hole in a bad way. I would have liked to have seen. I don't have a great idea off the top of my head, but a different subplot around this. Yeah. Yes, I agree. Not a crystal becomes a person. I don't know where they came up with that. Maybe it was, honestly, it might have been, like, one of the writers had, like, in their kid's room, there was a poster about crystals. Or, like, <laughs> seriously, that is, like, that may have been where this came from. Like, anyway, not a great subplot, but whatever. Uh, so who was your, who was your guy, Val? Ugh, this is a really hard choice. Do you want to go first and I'll try to make up my mind? Okay, so I have, I'm almost thinking that, because in every Star Trek, in, or sorry, you know, in every Stargate <laughs> episode, that's the second time I've done that in this episode. That's the second time. This is not a Star Trek in every, podcast. In every, <laughs> in every episode, we seem to find some sort of background, either character or thing. And I would all, I want my guy for the app to be the Crystals poster, because it was so... <laughs> subtle and brilliant it was so subtle and brilliant and like i don't know how i keep noticing these things but like somebody 
even though the camera is not directly on them or they're, they're not the main, I don't know. I don't know. But like some, somebody who is in charge of like the set really went above and beyond. And I noticed it and it was awesome in the same way that like, even though in that one episode, I think it was the caveman virus episode, Walter, like the Walter <laughs> was not the focus of the shot. And yet he acted like just a total God. And like, <laughs> That is why the poster is, the poster is my guy. It's because, it's because I think that the, the set, there's art in the set and that's, that is an artistic set and it deserves to be appreciated. That's why the poster is my guy. Okay. I feel like mine are a little bit more lowbrow. So <laughs> I have a, I have a dual guy this time around and it's, the ending of the gate room scene where um, Daniel and Sam are just walking past the camera, knowing that they've narrowly escaped filling out the incident forms as they leave Tilt <laughs> behind. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that would be... You can, you can just tell with their voices. Like, we've, we've created some fun fiction that I'm definitely going to keep going about the incident forms now. But, like, yeah. <laughs> they're in some shit. They're leaving Teal to take Teal to take the heat. Like that's canon. Yeah, that is uh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's true. Oh yeah, you're right. The incident forms are going to come up again. That's for sure. <laughs> I was looking over the episode list, and I feel like Stargate kind of fell into the trap of shooting the canon very, very quickly. Or is that uh, shooting the canon indoors? I don't know. What's there's a, there's a couple diff, there's a couple different phrases that are similar and they all mean different things and like at least one of the exact <laughs> thing. But my point being that like they had so many interesting ideas and they deploy a shocking number of them in the first season, like the Asgard, the Tokra. They just want to get like everything out on the table. I don't think that um, what's his name, Sam's dad, happens until I think it's season two, maybe season three. But we definitely meet um, right. the Tokra soon. I think it's the whole Jolinar thing that kicks it off. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I remember I remember that one, yeah, when Carter gets possessed. Actually, you know what? Maybe that's the very beginning of season two, now that you mention it. We did some Wikipedia scoping before, and they do, like, a part one Mr. Warfire for yeah. the end of the season. So season two starts with them, like, on a gold spaceship above Earth yeah. or something. Anyway, so what do we got next? Uh, we have the Knox. We have the uh, Knox. That's a good question. Uh, I remember, I mean, I certainly remember who the Knox are. I don't remember if I like this episode or not, but I remember liking the Knox. I recall being neutral on the Knox and hitting the episode. Interesting. Okay. In general, I feel like the Knox just weren't flushed out well enough. They were kind of like a stupid deus ex machina, even worse than the Asgard. The episode I seem to recall being very boring where not a lot happened. But that said, I feel like my episode or my opinions are varying quite wildly from my memories and skewing better now. So we'll have to see. Yeah. I think I said this last time, but this has um, Armin Shimmerman as like the chief. Oh, Knox. yeah, that's right. You did mention that. I'm going to have to look out for that. That's going to that might ruin the episode for me. That's going to be so weird. I don't. I mean, I haven't rewatched it, but I don't recall the character standing out very much. Like, I had to, I had to do some googling when I read about that link to confirm it. There are a couple episodes where um, 
Star Trek episodes do really stand out to me. Like, I think I probably ran shit with this earlier. There's one where um, uh, Rene Aubergenois is playing a, like, fascist military leader. And he's doing even, like, the Odo yell. Oh, yeah. Oh, wait, which, uh, oh, who's he, who's he in charge uh, of? Which race was it? Oh, yeah. Um, no, no, no. Was that, yeah, was that the, the one where they're hiding one. underground and there's a shield that they need the heavy water for? Uh... That sounds right. They're like planning on releasing poisons and like putting their army of Aryan clones out. There's also an Atlantis episode where uh, Colmini is, is that a general O'Brien being in charge of the Janai. I remember yeah. that. See now, if I was if I was casting stuff, I would have so much fun creating this kind of like outlandish story script and just incidentally casting. Cole Meany and Alexander Siddick yeah. as actors. Because I feel like that just adds such fun context to all like their hollow yeah, sweet it roles. Does. It would. We Can't Call It the Enterprise is a podcast by Valerie Lancy and Scott Reed. You can find us on the web at not.enterprises, on Twitter at notenterprise, and you can email us at notentheenterprisepod at gmail.com. The show is still in its infancy, and a positive review would really go a long way if you feel like leaving one. See you next time. Probably about time for me to go to bed.